welcome back to another episode of How to Live the Podcast. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon. I don't know why I feel like singing today. Oh, I don't know why either. Maybe it's because we're off to the US this week. Oh my God, that's just come around so quickly. That's mental. I know, it's so crazy. So we have a lot of exciting things that we are going over there for. Stay tuned to hear all about them. Lots of exciting tube stuff, lots of exciting how to live stuff, and lots of stuff we want to lo- share with you, and lots of eating. Lots of eating. Lots of eating. Oh my God, we have the best restaurants booked in. So excited. Going to eat so many chocolate chip cookies. That's our favorite when we go to the US. Oh, I lo- they just get a good chocolate chip cookie. Like Australia, can somebody please open a place that just sells chocolate chip cookies? We will be your number one fans. We will plug you on our podcast. If they're warm and moist, they get extra points. So today we have a very, very special podcast guest and someone who a lot of people are actually talking about at the moment, and that is Janine Alice. So Janine is the entrepreneur who started Smoothie Bar Boost Juice in her house in 2000, which now has over 500 stores globally. Whoa, 500, crazy. Um, She then went on to start Boost's parent company, Retail Zoo, which owns franchises from Salsa's Mexican to Betty's Burgers, delicious. And Janine is also the author of four books, A Mother of Four. She is a shark on Australia's version of Shark Tank. And as you all totally know, she is currently a contestant on Australian Survivor. When I tell you every single moment of this conversation with Janine was gold, it it would be an understatement. Like it just quite quickly took a turn that we didn't even expect. It was amazing. It touched on all the things that we're passionate about. You know, we talked about gratitude and manifesting the things you really want in your life. Of course, how she built her incredible business and what she thinks it takes to be successful. And also... Obviously, because we're TV lovers, we had to get a bit of dirt on Survivor. Oh, I just love it when we get people from reality TV on this podcast. Same. So stick around to the end to hear which inspiring guest we have on next week. Um, And in the meantime, have the best time listening to Janine. Here it is. You have a long list of jobs in your career before you're an entrepreneur, um, including a camp counselor in the US and a nanny in France. But I'm sure you're not surprised that the one that did catch our eye was that you were a stewardess on David Bowie's yacht. Yeah, yeah. Look, oh, look, I was a, a absolutely broke 21-year-old cruising around the world. Arrived in France with literally 200 francs to my name, which equivalent of about 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I had cash my ticket home because that's what you do when you're a smart 21-year-old. And you and the other thing I did was I had about two grand worth of credit card debt and I had nothing, nowhere to live, nothing. And so, yeah, a friend of mine had a boat, so I basically punked into a boat. And um, then I found, I heard about there was a job in a place called Villeneuve-le-Bay. And so I took my way into a stewardess yacht in the south of France and six weeks later Bowie bought it. So, yeah, for the next two years, yeah, hung out with rock stars and movie stars. Oh, my no goodness. So, way. you're literally on the boat that he owns. Yeah. Were you a fan? 
yeah, I mean, who wasn't a fan of Bowie? You know, he, I mean, I'm, his music was sort of instrumental in my upbringing. And, you know, whether it was Space Oddity or, you know, his Sticky Stardust days or his, you know, duos with Jagger and, yeah, so it was insane. Oh, my gosh, amazing. We actually watch a reality TV show called Below Deck um, and that features, like, the lives, the, like, crazy dramatic lives of people working on yachts in the south of France. And so I'm just, like, imagining all these crazy things happening in the midst of David Bowie, which would just be next level. And was he in costume every day? No, no. Uh, Look, he was 42 by that stage. So he had a son called Joe uh, who was about 17. And uh, he he was actually, I think he's, you know, um, crazy, crazy days. Not that we're necessarily behind him because he was a massive creative. But um, there was no sex, drugs and rock and roll. There was, um, you know, there was, you know, some drinking, but he was just, you know, pretty low key. But, you know, he he used to hang out with Jagger and we'd go to the island of Mystique and Mystique had, you know, um, Princess Margaret there and Jagger and a few others that they had parties with. And, yeah, it was just funny. That's oh my so cool. I could not keep my shit together in that situation. I'd just be like losing it every time. Like, okay, Mr. Bowie. <laughs> I think it's funny. When you're there, you, you have the first reaction of, oh my God, it's him. And then you normalize yeah yeah and then um and then i remember one time i was i don't know doing something in the galley and um he was warming up he was doing a a a, a piece he was warming up his vocals because he created a band called tin machine and with him while he was warming up his vocals to start his tin machine he sung space oddity and that was the first time i went oh my god i've worked for a year i went oh my god that's david bowie like, <laughs> like before then you just yeah yeah just a normal it's a person, person. Yeah. it's a person you know yeah, that's, that's the thing true. at the end of the day like everyone's just a human so like once you get past that fame it's like oh i'm a person you're a person correct you know and, and you know we we grow up as young girls thinking that there's you know us mortals and then there's a superhuman right and the superhuman are any celebrity that you sort of look at and go oh my god clearly they are superhuman we're just normal and you treat them as such and I think what was great for me and in a year when I was 21 is to realise that people were people and that, you know what, he had the same fears, the same problems, the same highs, same lows as anyone else in any part of the world. And I think it really helped me get into business to not feel like I was better or worse than someone else. Mm. So despite the fact that, you know, I left school at 16 and didn't do a uni degree, I didn't feel less than a lawyer that it was that I'd hired or an accountant or someone that had other form of education I just was there for my for my purpose so yeah totally yeah that's actually something that like we love to kind of show people through the podcast is like you know people often have feel fears around like putting themselves out there because they're like why me like someone else is better at it but it's like no we all kind of have these fears like no matter how kind of accomplished you are I guess you still have these little things about yourself that you would change or feel insecure about and so it's like just get up and do it. Well, the mind's so powerful. You can create whatever life you want. You've just got to think about first who you are. You know, we, we do things like, oh, I want to be successful. I want to have more money. I want to have a, a love. I want, I want, I want. Now, if you continue your life with that want, that's what you'll get in life. You'll get the feeling of wanting. Mm-hmm. But if you then convert what you say and then say, I am going to get up at six o'clock and when I get up at six o'clock, I am, I am, I am, suddenly you change how you think. Like I am a person that eats healthy. I am a person that does yoga every day. I don't want to do yoga every day because if that's the case, I'll get the feeling of wanting. Mm. So it's just changing the mindset. And when you, most of people's stresses come from manifesting what could possibly go wrong in the future. 
right? We all do it, right? God, you know, my son's gone out to get run over, you know, like you totally you, that you, fortune telling mentality yeah. of worrying about something that might happen Correct. in the future instead of living now. And we get really stressed about it. But the reality is, you know, the, there's a really simple way to deal with it. Can you do something about it? No, then don't worry about it. If you can do something about it, yes, then do something about it. So it's a really simple thing, but it, it really we really do have to change the way because in actual fact, stress is the biggest killer, yet stress is manifested in our brain. It's not real. Mm. Janine, I had to be in therapy for like four years before I learned <laughs> that and you just like smashed it out in the first four minutes. <laughs> Great. Well, hopefully we've fast-tracked some other people's journeys now, so don't, don't worry about booking in that therapy session. And actually, I've been listening to a lot of Brene Brown recently, love her, and she talks a lot about like that fear that we have um, and like worst case scenarios and that like actually through her studies she's found that through gratitude when you feel that like pang of vulnerability and you're like gonna go into like doomsday mode going into gratitude instead and being like oh I'm grateful for my life I'm grateful for my my sister not worried about her that's when you kind of you know you shift that mentality and you can think about it in a different way it's powerful gratefulness is powerful and if you do it if you sort of had a grateful a grateful ritual every day it's amazing how you think think differently like for example um you know you might be stuck in traffic right and you go oh god you know you whinge and you carry on that person but you're grateful that you got a car or you're grateful that you're actually going to get there or you're grateful that you actually arrived safely. You can actually, you can either be negatively biased or positively biased. And the if you are positively biased, you see the good thing, good in everything or even in good in other people. You know, I'm sure you guys drive each other mad, right? And Not really, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah. And well, quite often if you're ever sort of, you know, niggling at each other, it's normally never the the fact that she borrowed your clothes and didn't return it properly or it's never that. It's actually, it's always other things. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah, but the gratefulness is massive. Yeah. yeah, and it can just like, it's something you can shift. Like I think I've woken up to this recently that like I just thought I was the way I was. But once you start putting those practices into place and using the I am, then it's, you can actually change those things within yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not just like, a negative person and there are those positive people and you're not one of them we can all be that yeah, totally. you, can. you can and you know what the other thing is we can all be negative right we've all had our moments where we've gone down that little spiral hole and gone you know poor me i didn't get that promotion or i didn't get this or that boyfriend should call me and she didn't like, yeah we all do it right but um but you actually can actually you know neuroplasticity you can actually change the way you think do you have um any like rituals you mentioned like a grateful ritual or, like something a way that you start your day um, look, I start my day, um, I have an 11-year-old daughter. I start with my day sh- with her running into my bedroom and, and give me a hug. You know, other than That's that, lovely. I know, it's nice, isn't it? So it's that, you know, I like to start with yoga, um, not every morning, but sometimes morning. Sometimes if I haven't got time for yoga, I'll do an eight-minute um, high-intensity workout. Um, eight minutes, love that. I know. Anyone, There's no excuses. Like no one doesn't have eight minutes. You, you know what? That's the theory, right? So I tend to go and sometimes I go, oh, I can't be bothered doing it, right? And I go, for God's sake, it's eight minutes, right? By the time yeah. I whinged about it and, and puffed and huffed, I could have had it done. Like, yeah, so, totally. By the time you scrolled through Instagram, like it was more than eight minutes anyway. So, so true. Mm. So true. Yeah. So cool. I mean, I'd love – this is so great and we're already like – covering so many things I didn't even realize but we'd love to kind of take you back I guess to that moment where you've gone on all these travels and you've had so many wild adventures and then you're kind of back in Australia why did you decide to become an entrepreneur I know I don't think I've ever been an entrepreneur 
I think in actual fact, I, my view on entrepreneurs is they make terrible business people. Mm-hmm. Terrible business people, right? And the reason being is an entrepreneur does this. They go, I love my idea. I've got a great concept. Could be shoes, could be podcasts, could be anything, right? And you go, wow, that's really exciting. And then you go down that path because it's exciting. And then the hard stuff starts, right? You've got to go, oh, God, did you not trademark that? Oh, bloody hell. What about the accounting? Oh, God, you've got to really have to worry about that. And then you have to worry about IP and you have to worry about The list goes on. That's all the boring stuff. That's entre- so boring. <laughs> but the entrepreneur goes, oh, look, there's another shiny light over there. I'll go over there too. So a lot of the, like a true business person has to stick at it. Mm-hmm. And that what's the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people. So am I an entrepreneur? I don't. I think I'm more of an adventurer. Mm-hmm. I'm someone that sort of loves the adventure, but also have that ability to be able to stick at the, you know, get to love the boring stuff. Yeah, I love what you said there because um, it's something that we talk about too, that like there's no difference between, you know, our idea is no better than anyone else's. Like I think honestly what makes us good at what we do is we're so damn stubborn. Mm-hmm. So like if it didn't work that way, we're going to try it 16 different times to make it work until we find the right one. And that means that, you know, now seven years, or whatever into it we're still persevering and it's not because we were any better than anyone else it's just because we were more stubborn Mm. and that's what it is it's like you refuse to actually give up yeah and what you said was really important it's like you've got to get things wrong Mm. right you've got to get it wrong without getting it wrong you're not trying hard enough you're not giving things a go to actually learn so i think i sit where i am now and i think and people say to me well tell me all the things that have gone wrong right I actually can't think of anything. Not because this hasn't gone wrong. I mean, shit, every day something goes wrong, right? Um, but it's because that all of those things that went wrong helped me put a system in place, helped me learn, helped me get to where I am today. So all those things that are so-called wrong end up being right. Mm. So when you were in the early days of Boost, you, I mean, you really foreshadowed that kind of health trend, you know, like you started a smoothie bar before. Now, you know, we all drink smoothies every day, but back then in 2000, it just wasn't the case how did you kind of see that coming look you know there was two things that got me started at boost um two key personality traits the first one was um naivety like i didn't know what i was doing Mm. i was a nanny in france and a stewardess on a boat for god's sake right i'd never run a business um and so i didn't actually know it was how hard the other thing i started because i wanted to have a balance i had three children at home the youngest one was seven months like a baby in arms and I wanted to have that flexibility. So I thought I didn't really want to go back to work again. So it was naivety that got me into it, but actually it was fear that got me got me motivated because by the time I had started and we'd signed up the leases and got going, I couldn't get it, I couldn't fail. A bit like you guys, right? You go, right, that didn't work, keep at it. That didn't work, keep it. My theory was, unless I got a no, it was, it was a maybe, a maybe is a yes. Mm. So. It was that sort of attitude that just meant you just kept going. And there was like, you, you you would relate to this. You know, there's days where every single phone call that comes through is a negative, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh my God, this is, and then the next day or two days later, you get about five opportunities that you will blow your mind, right? Mm-hmm. And I always think that so those days, and they come in runs. And I always find, I don't know whether it's the moon in the wrong orbit or what it is, but, you know, sometimes you just... Mercury's in retrograde. It must be, right? Yeah. That motherly Mercury thing, right? <laughs> and so sometimes you feel like putting the phone down, going to bed, and then just wake me in the morning when the moon's moved, right? Oh, so, yeah. So it's... But it's life. And I think that when things like that happen, you do sit and go, okay, that's okay. Um, it'll, it'll swing back because you just, as you said, you just keep at it. Yeah. And I love what you said there about you know, the naivety and that you didn't know how hard it was going into it. Because I think 
often people psych themselves out because they're like, oh, I don't know that much about this. Someone else knows way more than me. And then you'll share your idea with a few people and people who know things in inverted commas will be like, no, that's too hard because they've mm. been there and they've tried and it hasn't worked. But actually those are the people that that sometimes you they know too much mm. and mm. you have to have that kind of innocence and just dive right into it, not knowing what you're going to expect. And that's when you kind of come up with boost. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Like if I went to, I was too busy to network, but if I went to someone who was in retail, experienced retailer, successful retailer, and said to them, look, I want to open a shop that just sells drinks, right, nothing else, and I want to open 100 in four years, he would have gone, don't be so stupid, it will not work, it will mm-hmm. implode, it will fail. Mm. I think so without putting a, and, you, and then in my head I would have gone, well, it won't work. Right, so I wouldn't have done it, and I think that's where the naivety and that simplicity comes in. That you just because you don't put those barriers on you, you just do it. Something that that actually reminds me of is when we set out to create a shoe business. Like our first thing was like, okay, let's just talk to a million like people who have been there, done that, and all of their response was like, that's so boring. Have you seen this really great thing called Shoes of Prey? It's like this nice shiny new thing. They create custom made shoes. Each one is different. You create them on your website. This is what you should be doing. And we were like, yeah, but people don't know what they want to wear like that. Like people come to us because they want us to tell them what to wear. Like that just doesn't seem like it fits. And we just keep kept hearing that time and time again. Shoes of Prey, Shoes of Prey, Shoes of Prey. That's what you should be doing. And we were just like in our gut was like, nah. And now they've not around anymore and tubes is so yay <laughs> <Yeah>. us <laughs> no, good on, and look, the thing is so people think that they want to do it but the reality is they don't want to they don't know how like smoothies right i could say to them come and make your own smoothies right juice is okay we all know it's not that hard right but they go well but no you're the expert you mm. tell us mm. right you guys uh you know like style is so subjective but clearly your style is something that people like so they're looking to you to go tell us totally. what works and so yeah so when Pete's shoes of prey happens people look at it and go oh, i don't know what color yeah. what if i don't like it whatever yeah yeah so it's, it's like the smoothies just tell us which one we should order exactly um so when you were kind of that i guess like you described it as naive like you've got three kids and you really want to like make your own life and make your own job um what were those kind of like first steps that was it just like you by yourself did you have a bit of a team around you what were those first few things that you did well you think back right back to where you started with your shoes right it started with you guys just going let's go you didn't have a team mm. it's just you guys right and same with me I didn't have a team I had a great Dane in the corner that sat my feet that was probably the most <laughs> help I had and you literally just take every day at a time and you do your work to actually do whatever you need to achieve so I had stores I had to open and so I knew what I had to do to actually get them open and and then slowly slowly you hire the right people and then slowly you fire the ones that don't work out and you eventually get a great team and blah 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 then it just sort of unfolds but it's every day waking up moving it ahead Mm. even it's by millimeters as long as it's moving ahead yeah and it's sometimes like you know we get caught up in like business plans and long-term plans but it really is at the end of the day like you've got to take it one day day by day and hustle every single day for what you want to be creating hustle every single day with the end in mind Right. What does so with your shoes? Right. So, what do you want it to look like? You know, do you want it to be um, Australia based? Do you want it to be overseas based? World what? domination. Great. Mm-hmm. World domination is cool, right? So, if you've got the end in mind, you go, okay. Well, if I'm going to go be world domination in my shoes, gee, have I got the trademark for that? Mm. Right. Have I got the um, manufacturer right? Have I got the cost right? Have I got the way of connecting to people right? So, but because you've got 
you know, it might be over here. It could be a BHAG, a big hairy or audacious goal, or it could be you know, something <laughs> re- relative, at least close or relatively achievable. Um, as long as you've got in their mind, you can get there. Yeah, like kind of like your North Star. Correct. Yeah, yeah, have the overarching goal and then hustle every day for it. I think yeah. that's really good advice. And with whether it's um, the North Star or whatever those analogies are, you're heading in that direction. And even if the North Star is there and you're heading that way, you'll keep you know, moving towards it. Yeah. Correct. Three steps forward, five steps back. Tomorrow's a new day. <laughs> so Boost Juice, I believe, achieved 95% brand awareness within five years. So can we assume that means 95% of people surveyed within five years would have been like, oh, yeah, I know what Boost is. Yeah, correct. So there's a number of ways of, of um, you know, testing it. So it's sort of prompted and unprompted. So to get a – because we had no money to market, right, zip. And back then, in fairness, there was no internet where you can get that big exposure quickly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was PR. It was driving wheatgrass shops into radio station. It was, you know, dropping – Oh, the wheatgrass shops Boost, like, invented that in Ugh, Australia. I remember that was such a thing. Like everyone's standing on Chapel Street doing them. Yeah, absolutely. So we, you know, so you you have to do the hard work. You got to get out of the office and make it happen. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, for us, like you know, with Tubes, we're kind of building our brand awareness at the moment, little by little. Um, and I guess you know, within five years, to have gone from just you, your great Dane, and your idea um, to you know such an epic brand. Um, you know what is it just about the slow grind and like sometimes you know being in it you feel like uh, am I moving the needle you know like yeah what you'll find is you feel like you're doing heaps and heaps of work and you don't move the needle but it's like meat into a grinder like if you, that's a, a saying you probably know what a grinder is right so it's something that in the olden days it was something that you put you you'd tie the this grinder to the table and you'd put meat in it and you'd actually turn the handle and you would turn the handle and turn the handle and nothing would go out and you'd keep pushing meat into the top. It's like to make mince meat, right? And eventually stuff will come out. If you put do enough stuff in there, it will come out. And once it comes out, it flows. There's other things that's called tipping point. It's all sorts of things. So it's really just continuing to do a little things and then one thing will spark. And mm. then once it sparks. So what's your why is your shoes different? So they're animal friendly. Yep. Um, they're fashion forward. They're really comfortable as well. Oh, that's they're like really the biggest comfy. thing. Is is, that like, is they your we're shoes? We're both wearing them at the moment. Comfort's yeah. everything. Comfort is everything. Like it, having like something that's fashion forward but also comfortable is like so important. Do you know why that is? Because you open your wardrobe, right? And you might have those beautiful pink shoes or yellow shoes or whatever shoes that you loved at that shop that looked amazing on your feet. But when you open the wardrobe and you go, oh God, I can't wear those like you will always lean towards com- well I do anyway God, yeah and we 100%. find that with customers like once they have one pair they have five they have ten pairs you know because it's right. like I don't want to be uncomfortable anymore no. like nobody has time for that no as long as they look good yeah exactly they're cute. they're cute shoes yeah they're super cute and then yeah we try to build our values into everything that we do and that's where we feel like we really connect with customers you know like our the people that love us they love us because we have amazing products but also because like we really care and we stand for things and that's what that's where the synergy is yeah great yeah so you've been a leader in marketing you know kind of throughout the whole of boost um one thing that came up when we were chatting was the like what's your name game where like you know on the radio they would say someone's name in the morning and if that was your name you could go and you could get a free boost um is that does that come from you like is that what you're really passionate about yeah correct look it's you know it's about generosity my theory at the start was my product is so good that once you taste it you will come back right so I felt that whenever I gave a free smoothie away I thought that 10 people would come back to me 
And so it was that sort of generous theory of um, or generous view that actually made the customers come back. If we get we stuff up an order, we'll give you a free one. You know, if um, what's your name game was a really interesting opener for us and a great brand builder because if your name was Peter, right? It wasn't just Peter that got a smoothie. Peter got forty five texts going, "Mate, get into booze, get into booze." So people, oh, so true. So people, so people felt like they were giving Peter a gift by just letting him know he gets a free one. So it was this big. Um, social push that actually really drove awareness yeah that's so clever and then when you know people are kind of looking at like their marketing calendars now and where they're going to invest their dollars and also their energy i guess like so much for people what comes up now is like social media marketing like that's where you need to spend your money do you feel like that's that's a a good way of looking at it or do you feel like these more like innovative ways of marketing is the way to go look marketing is really simple right find out what your customer wants and give it to them also find out where they are and show them so for example if you go all right so where is our cut down say our 27 year old bullseye female bullseye well she's on outdoor so she might be on tram she might be on train so you go okay there's an element that you need to think about with regard to top line but but she's also on her phone but then that is also a hit and miss and there is it's so um crowded and you know people don't want things shoved in their face uh so you know ai is helping with that so in actual fact i won't get a car ad or i won't get a you know um rectal dysfunction ad to me you know (laughs) you know hopefully i'll get the information that i want to get or the things i want to get so ai helps but it is still a ridiculously crowded market out there in 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 advertising and marketing and it yes it's still easier to now track if people do open if they like it they forward it they interact with it so it's a little bit more uh what's the word a more measurable Mm-hmm. than it probably was to go yes there's a magazine well did you look at it did you read it did you do anything with it did you yeah so it's it's a, but you can't ignore either i think that both of them as a combination works really well mm. not one on its own i love that you just said marketing is simple like you were just like oh yeah no that's the easy part like i got this um but i think what you said there about finding out what customers want is so true and such great advice and seems so simple but people don't and i think Shoes of Prey is a perfect example where they thought they knew what customers want and maybe they did a survey, but you need to actually go out there and find out what do customers really want and spend time with them and test products on them um, and really do your research in that way. And then the other thing that you said was just really like, you know, using that data that you get and like measuring that at the end of the day. Like it's not just like a print magazine now where we, you know, we don't know what area of it they read. You can see exactly where someone clicked on something on your ADM, what button they like what colour button they clicked on and really using that data to better your yeah, way correct. of doing things. And look, it's interesting because you've got to listen to the you've got to listen to your consumer, right? But you've also got to have your own creative intuition. Like for example, Henry Ford, right, said if I asked the customers what they wanted, they would have said they wanted faster horses. Right? He invented the car, right? Mm, so That gives me chills. <laughs> that is such a good one. Right. So you've got to so you've got to make sure that you know, Steve Jobs, you know, it's these people that have this amazing vision of what can can happen. You know, Facebook, you know, all of these things. People wouldn't have gone, oh, I want a phone that can blah, 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 blah. They wouldn't even thought about it because they wouldn't have thought their brain could have comprehended what it could possibly be. Mm. So in some respects, you've got to give it a go. 
So I actually read your book, um, The Secrets of My Success, years ago. It makes me think of Hawaii poolside when I think of that book because that's where I was reading it. Um, <laughs> and something that really stuck with me, like I, I, you know, I don't know when that book came out, but this, you know, years later, really, like I think about it all the time when we're in a meeting is that I think someone else in your book was talking about how you were the kind of person that like even you went if you went into a room and you didn't know the most in the room and someone was talking about something they were an expert in, you would come into that room with no ego and you would just ask all the right questions and you would gather all the knowledge and by the end of it, you'd just, you'd have it and you'd have that room and you'd know exactly what was going on. Do you remember that? No, I don't. But, it, but <laughs> does that sound like you? Yeah. yeah. But look, it's, it's a secret of listening. Like I don't have all the answers, right? And I'm hoping the people in the room have come from different experience, different knowledge. And, you know, they're in the room because they're, you know, smart people that got something to contribute. So what tends to happen as leaders is we come in and go, right, I'll give you my opinion. Now what's everyone else's opinion? And people go, oh my God, they have that opinion and they, they're going to mirror that opinion, mm. right? Instead of actually giving their own opinion. Yeah. And so I think it's, um, you know, and sometimes, you know, you feel like you haven't got time and you just need to get to the point. But really that ability to listen is um, is is very powerful. Yeah, but that's almost like a superpower that you have that I feel like so many people are like, like I know when sometimes when I'm in a room of what I feel like is really smart people and I'm the dumbest one there, I'm like, shit, I need to make up for it. I'm so insecure about how dumb I am, you know, like and like that just like talking starts to happen inside yeah. your head. Like how do you how did you kind of come to that? Like how do you deal with that inside of you or it, oh, look, does it exist? No one wants to look stupid, right? And, you know, sometimes I sit there and go, and quite often, like, if you come into my business, right, and you, we would say, now, there's Ben, Bart, FBC, CRMs, they would throw all these acronyms at you, right? And you would go, I don't even know, I don't want to feel stupid to say what they are. But the reality is, it's actually okay to go, hey, so sorry, what the hell does that mean? Mm. Like, you know, what does that term mean? Or what, and that's okay. You know, I, um, and I think age means that you feel a little bit more comfortable in your skin. Mm. I used to pay lawyers and I still pay lawyers a fortune every hour and I used to hate it. So what I thought was with in front of a lawyer, I thought instead of actually um, paying them for that hour, why don't I pay them for the work plus the knowledge? So I would sit there, I would get a contract. I would read the whole contract, one of those rare people that read contracts, and I would circle anything I didn't understand. And I didn't care if they felt I was stupid or not, because my theory was if I had more knowledge and more understanding, then the next time I had a contract, then one, I'd understand it, and two, maybe I could only use it for an hour instead of three hours. Mm. So I actually got to a point where, you know what, if you think I'm stupid, well, that's your issue. Mm. So I think it's just... I love that attitude. Yeah, that's great. Just comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, we would have that when we were first meeting with retailers to talk about stocking tubes. And I remember that we would like come into it and pretend that we knew everything because like we didn't want to come off as stupid. Yeah, like we didn't want them to know that they were the first retailer that was ever going to buy us. (laughs) And now when we go back to retailers years later when we've had a lot more experience... I realize like, you know, I find us going, oh, sorry, um, we don't actually know what that term means. Do you mind repeating that? Or do you mind explaining that? And you realize that like, no one once cares. you are comfortable. No, with, no one cares. Yeah, exactly. No one cares. And once you are comfortable with the amount of knowledge you have, you're free to ask those questions. Cause yeah. like, why not? Like you're not, you're never going to know it unless you ask those questions. No, you're so right. Yeah. You're so right. Um, so we obviously like, we had a lot to ask you about today, but could not have you here right now without chatting Survivor. 
Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, awesome. Absolutely. How's it going? So I feel like it's weird that you're here because you're also in the jungle. I know. Like the oh look, it was insane. It was the worst and the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. Like it was. It's hysterical to watch it. And I must admit, I just look at myself and go, "Oh my god, you're so skinny." <laughs> like, oh, like everyone is in the jungle. So yeah. Exactly. That's okay. How long ago was it? Uh, it was about six weeks, eight weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, so ah. it was really recent. Yeah, yeah. It was oh really my god. Recent. Yeah. Oh, so so you don't was... have any PTSD or anything. Oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yeah. It just hasn't come up yet. Yeah. No, I'm sure it's coming. Yeah. Um. Look, it was. Yeah. But it really is as as real as you see. You know, people think that. Oh, surely they give you. You know, surely they give you something like nah. There's literally a bit of dirt, and there's a couple of you know poles over there, which is bamboo that they've sort of in the jungle, and you know there's a machete and there's a pot. Good luck, honey. And oh, you, you literally have to sort everything out yourself. And what made you want to do that? Like you have so much else going on in your life. And then when we first heard Janine on Survival, we were like, what? And then we watched you and we are like, okay, yeah, we totally get this. Like you were kind of made for this. But what was the driver to make you want to do it? How could you not? Like how can you not? If someone says to you, right, because you, right, you, you know what happens. We get up in the morning. We get a coffee or tea. We do our things. We have a routine. We go to bed right and the next day it starts we do the similar thing right so how can you not if someone says to you would you like to do something extraordinary it will test you it will make you happy or make you sad it will make you um you know all of these things how can you say no to an experience like that and not only that it was january when they asked me and I, I do I do this thing with my girlfriends. We um we every year we do five things that we're going to do professionally, mentally, and physically to ourselves, right? For ourselves, tips, you know, or goals, right? Goals. And you get together and discuss them. And over a glass of wine, we roll them up, put in the bottle of wine, and then we take the bottle of wine a year later. We start again, right? Oh, oh that's amazing! God, that's so good. And so, literally, I was running late as I was, and I wrote down my goals. And my goals were um, to challenge myself to do something completely different. To, um, and I'm a bit of a hermit, so I thought, okay, I'm going to get out there and meet new people, right? And I said, I want something to scare myself. And, and then over summer, I chucked on a couple of kilos, right? So I went, okay, I want to shove those couple of kilos, right? So literally I had this list in my hand as I was running out and the producer of Survivor called and said, do you want to do it? And I kind of no. went, oh, my God, I oh. have to. And I remember saying to her, look, I'm a probably – she said – actually the conversation went like this. I know you're going to say no, Right. And I know you're going to say, no, I'm going, what? no to what, right? And she kept going, going, going. And she said, but would you do Survivor? And I went, oh, my God, I'm a probable yes. And then I said. I have chills. <laughs> and then I said to my daughter, I said, look, I've got some good news and bad news. And she said, what? I said, look, I might be, have to be away for about eight weeks. And she went, you cannot go, right? No, my, my sons wouldn't even know I'd left, right? And um, you can't go. And I said, look, it's Survivor. She said, I'll pack your bag, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it was one of those things that by the time I got the go-ahead with my family, because, you know, obviously it's a big deal to, you know, leave your family for 55 days by the time you're there and back. Um you know, I had no other choice but to do it. But yeah, it was it was it was it was horrible, and it was great. Mm. What did you do to prepare for it? Because I was fascinated when I was reading about that. I was like, oh, of course, this woman's so successful. She yeah. just did all the things to prepare. <laughs> well, look, you know what drove me was fear, right? I went there and going, shit. You know, I'm over fifty, right? So I'm not a spring chicken. I knew there was going to be athletes there, probably some Olympic athletes, right? And I thought, for me to win this or get to the end, I can't be the weakest, I can't be the strongest, got to sit in the middle. So for me, I set up a uh, – I do yoga anyway, so I was relatively strong. Um, and I, so I did my eight-minute routine. I did my – I swam. I, so I got myself to, into pretty good shape. 
But then I went, okay, so I know that they won't let you any any wet weather gear. So I studied materials. What materials can I go in with? Because they say you only can have a limited amount of clothes that you're actually literally wearing. So I studied, you know, so silk and merino wool were the things that actually breathe, dry the quickest, keeps you warm even when wet, blah, blah, blah. And then I went, okay, that's, that's fine. I Googled how to freaking cope in a coconut, how to make fire, how to do everything. But I thought, but I felt for myself that I couldn't, there's not, it's all very well watching in Google, but you really need to get there. So I arrived 24 hours before someone else and I hired a local villager. And I, oh got, and I got him to, I went to his village and we, we sat down and we weaved and we, um, we made, we, he helped show me how to open a coconut and what you can do with a coconut. And then he showed me how to make fire and show me how to build a shelter. And, and so, yeah, so, so I felt like hand on heart that I, there was nothing more I could physically do mm. to be prepared. And even then I wasn't prepared. But then I actually was really shocked because I got there, right? And say, and people didn't even think about the stuff I thought about. Like they came in, some of them came in in T-shirts and shorts. Mm. And you're like, have you not seen Survivor and seen them shivering, cuddling each other? I don't think they like themselves that much. I think they're just cold. (laughs) So I I was perplexed as to how little preparation people did. Yeah, but you kind of just like went about it like as if it was like a job or a business. Like you did like full, full recon, which is so clever. And like, yeah, it seems obvious to you, but for most, I'm sure it wasn't. And maybe because I'm older and I've lived a life of, getting it wrong so I go okay I do not like to be cold right and so for me to go in there I did not want to be cold well it looked cold it was freezing yeah right (laughs) particularly that last gasp thing oh my god seriously I mean they didn't show how actually everyone was shivering uncontrollably there was no fun in that I actually remember standing there going I wonder if I didn't run on that notice (laughs) (laughs) I think they would (laughs) but you know like you some of the challenges you rock up and you go oh my god today's the day I'm gonna die right Mm. it was some of the challenges what off the charts scary and then you go oh my god i'm not doing that i'm doing that and they go go and you go okay and you just do it like and i so i think that ability to feel like you can do more than what you're capable of was actually quite you know really blew your mind amazing and i'm sure it made you appreciate everything here so much as well yeah when you go back to you know the, the start of our conversation which was gratefulness you really did discover gratefulness. You know, you gr- you're grateful for the sunrise and it wasn't raining. You're grateful for um, friendships. You're grateful for food. You're grateful for flavour. You're grateful for a roof that didn't leak. You know, you were grateful for, um, you know, people that had your back. You know, so it was, it was a long list of things grateful for. I was grateful for no internet and digital mm. because oh. I could sit in front and actually have a conversation without someone buzzing and, and you know, And getting vibrating. distracted. Yeah, and we all have such short yeah. attention spans now. And the relationships you have for people because you've got nothing else to do but talk to them. Because I actually thought going in, I thought that would I thought being cold and being bored would have driven me mad Like because I, I like busy, right? Mm. I like to be busy. And to be able to get there and actually just be happy to sit with someone and just talk about anything was great and obviously my buddy in there was p i don't know if you're watching the show yeah mm, yeah so and we love p i like looking for al randy like it was the best oh yeah so she's i mean i saw her yesterday so she's she was just you know we were each other's buddies you know she um we slept together every night in each other's arms because we were so freaking cold mm. we actually got to a point where we could at two o'clock we'd sort of wake up and we'd all both turn because you the space you you know the two of us were sleeping in a space like this big yeah on the ground like and you know then yeah so it was you it was really that you know very you know sort of intimate 
closeness that you develop where you can't develop anywhere else. So yeah, like a lifetime bond. Yeah, exactly. Is that going to last? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I think the key things is we have daughters similar age. They're now best mates. Oh, um, so cute. You know, she's a um, she's into yoga. I'm into yoga. You know, I would probably a very rarely a day would go by that we're not texting. You know, as I said, we did yoga yesterday and had lunch. Yeah, you know, so so nice, amazing. All right, well, Janine, this has been so incredible. Um, thank you so much. Just like such cool timing for us to be able to sit down and have this chat with you and just know everybody listening is just going to be like on your every word. Um, we do always wrap up with some quick fires. So go for it. we'll go for those. Awesome. Um, what's your smoothie order? Ah, I like Pure Eden. It's all greens. So there's spinach, there's cucumber, there's, there's grapes, there is lemon, there is pineapple, there is all sorts of stuff yum sounds delicious i'm all about mango magic i That's was thinking good. about it like since i was like 15 like every you day love I used mango to, magic. when i was at uni every day i would get a donut and a mango magic yeah so good <laughs> it's like kind of healthy and kind of not so it's good um so how many goats do you have two and their, their names are cotton candy Cotton, Cotton candy. candy. Yeah. Oh, Adorable. That is so cute. They sound delicious. Um, who inspires you? Oh, God, you? do you eat goat? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> I'm vegetarian. Oh, okay. Like delicious to cuddle oh. and kiss. Okay, just check it out. <laughs> that's okay. Some people like goat. Label, vegan shoe label. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, yeah. Next question. Who inspires you? Um, but inspiration comes from everywhere. You know, I think people tend to um, tend to just think that inspiration has to come from someone older than them or, or more mature. But, you know, like actually one of the things that did inspire me on Survivor was Pia. You know, she is five foot two, right? Some of the challenges were real, a real challenge for, you know, people that are five foot two and her determination just to keep going was amazing uh, Roscoe on there he inspired me to learn that you never lose a child in, in, in no matter how old you get you know Luke inspired me because so despite the fact that he's got you know six kids sick kids and he's the most positive person on the planet David you know inspired me because he made me laugh mm. you know and he was evil, right? <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's um, inspiration. You just need to open your eyes and ears and inspiration comes from everywhere. Mm. Love, I love that. One. I feel like that would have been a really nice one to end on. But what is your go-to meal to make at home? Uh, you know, I, I love I, – I'm a firm believer on sleep is the most important thing you can do to your body and keep you healthy. And so I don't like to eat heavy meals at night. I t- turn to sort of stick with soup. Mm. So, you know – What about was there a first thing you ate when you got out? Oh, God. Was there something you were, like, dying for? I think it was a cherry ripe. Yeah. I think No, I know because I think what happened is, right, so, you know, you go, right, so if, if, if you – because you guys are vegan, right, you understand you have to really know how, you, how to eat, right? So we basically fasted for 50 days. Mm. And you get out of this – get out of Survivor and you think there's be nutritionist to go, okay, we're going to sort of get you in nice and slowly. Nah, here is a basket full of absolute crappy food and you just <laughs> open your mouth and hoover it. Right. So, yeah. So I think it was a cherry ripe or, or a crunchy was okay. the first thing I ate when I got out. And I'm sure it would have tasted amazing. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, last one. How would your children describe you? Oh, God. Um, it depends on the child. <laughs> your uh, favourite one. <laughs> my favourite one. She would the just. The daughter. Yeah, obviously. Uh, she, look, she would definitely describe me. Oh, no. She, uh, she would just describe me as her mum. You know, it's probably only. That is such a nice answer. That's so sweet. Yeah. And the others, who knows? I mean, it depends on the day. It depends if, you know, I'm giving them what they want. They'll love me. If not, they don't. Yeah. So yeah, to Australia, do. you're, you know, this amazing, successful entrepreneur and survivor and Shark Tank, but to your daughter, you're just mum. I love yeah, it. Yeah, correct. I 
think the boys are interesting because they're a bit older. And I think through business, they haven't really given me any credit. But I think seeing me on Survivor, I think I finally got some family cred. <laughs> you got the straight cred. Finally. <laughs> After all that work over the years, yeah. that eight weeks in the jungle, just like done. It's all it took. And I think that's it. I think that's exactly right. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> awesome. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. And time. good luck. We're rooting for you. Have you ever? I mean, Janine. Just, Actually, haven't. No, I've I've never in my life. Um, Janine just has something so special about her. Her attitude towards just going out there and doing things and. Even the way that she's gone on Survivor and really like trained for it, approached that like she would anything, like she would a business, I just think is so inspirational to all of us and we all need to be a little bit more like Jolene. Totally. We would absolutely love you to help us get the word out for the podcast so more people can listen to these awesome chats that we're having with absolutely incredible people. Um, So please do leave a comment, click subscribe. Um, share it with your friends and also we'd love to see a photo of you on Instagram listening to the podcast and share it to your friends who are obsessed with Survivor because we know you have them for sure so next week on the podcast we have a really exciting chat with one of our very dear friends I always love when we have a good friend on the show it just is so nice and easy to chat to them I agree so this is Emma Abrahams and she is the founder of the jewelry label Heart of Bone that has been spotted on the likes of Billie Eilish and Little Nas X we have just loved watching Emma's career grow over the years she is a bloody go-getter she also has the best stories the best stories her hair is full of secrets oh my god like just wait until you hear this here's a little snippet we were just having lunch and she said, um, you know, what do you want to do while you're in Paris? And I'm like, well, I'd love to get to meet Carl Lagerfeld because I've got this ring and I really, want to, I really want to give him one. And she said, well, I'm having breakfast with him tomorrow. I said, you are not. And she said, yeah, I am. We have breakfast all the time and I'm doing an interview for something. And so I said, well, will you wrap it up and give it to him? And she, um, she emailed me the next morning and, yeah, with, with a photo saying the boss loves your ring. And she said he, just, he could see it was really well made and handcrafted and he said it was beautiful and he loved it and he didn't put it on and he didn't take it off for the whole interview. Awesome. That's on the podcast next week. Have a really great Monday evening and we'll chat to you soon. Bye. <laughs>